TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, you got to hold it. Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew I, me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 414, and I'm Libya, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Tom. I'm executive director of screenwriting at Azusa Pacific University in Los Angeles. Hi, this is Greg, TV enthusiast from St. Louis. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Wadenopolis. All right, let's start off with the news. First up, that all of us have probably already heard, is that Supernatural is getting... Season 15 and its final season to wrap up the story. If anybody can remember the full story after 15 seasons. <laughs> like, well, considering they, there was a five-year plan and we're 10 years going beyond that. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't even tell you. And actually, this season's really weird because they solved their big monster of the year early. And now they're just doing standalone episodes. I was like, what? I know, it's really strange. It's it was so like... strange. And ta-da. <laughs> You're just like... We're tired of writing this story, so we're just going to finish it now by... Now on to the next thing. You know, it's... Right. Yeah, it was so anticlimactic. <laughs> what do you mean we're not canceled yet? We have to keep going? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it felt like. All right, so all those are taking bets. And at this point, I'm just going to finish it. There's no point in quitting before the last season. I'm like, all right, fine. I oh, dude, I, 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 quit, I quit like season gonna... nine. <laughs> If they were going to try to make Jack evil or something, or without a soul or something like that, I was going to quit. But it looks like they're not going that route, or at least I hope they're not going to. So I might finish it off, too. All right. Uh, next piece of news I have is that uh, Mindy Kaling from, uh, what is her, what's her show that was really popular? The uh, Mindy Project. The Mindy Project. Uh, duh. Um, she just got a series order from Netflix for her semi-autobiographical comedy. But I, I was like, wasn't the Mindy Project some of her semi? But whatever. I'm not sure which how much closer this is going to be. Well, this is a, this is about her childhood. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Um, Ten Star is getting a third and final season. Which, it's weird because it said it's for BBC or Sky One. But I was like, isn't that on Amazon? But uh, it's getting its final season. Um... I saw this really, this is not exactly news, but I saw this real interesting article on um, Hollywood Reporter about Amazon, because people were really, not Amazon, Netflix, people were really upset that Netflix canceled not one, one, day, at a, time. one day at a time, even though it got great ratings. And everybody was like, we don't understand what's going on. And it's because they said the Netflix model, the way they build their contracts for their executive producers uh, they front load it. So by the time the show gets to season three, they start having to pay the producers profits. And <laughs> and so from Jeez. their perspective, it's cheaper for them to cancel the show because they ha- their whole thing is content. We have they have so much content, but it's better for them to have less episodes because it's easier for streaming. If you've noticed now a lot of their shows are eight to ten episodes, and that's it. And that's their new model, mm-hmm. so that you can stream it, you can binge it all in like one day. And then, because um, they want you to finish it, but they they don't want to go past season three on anything 
because then they have to start profit sharing with the producers. So they just cancel it and just get a new show. That's their wow. new model. In case you guys wanted to know that. All right. That's all the news I have. Oh, I have a lot more. Go ahead. Uh, ABC has cast Anders Holm and Tika Sumter to play young Bo's parents in the backdoor pilot uh, coming from Blackish. They've also renewed the Connors for season two, and that was their highest rated new show this year. Uh, Apple has ordered Pachinko to series. It's based on a book about four generations of a Korean immigrant family. I was like, Pachinko? What's Pachinko? Okay, thank you. Just explain it. Uh, Michelle Dockery from Downton Abbey and Jaden Martell, one of the kids from It, are joining Chris Evans in Defending Jacob, which is based on the best-selling novel. Evans and Dockery are the parents of a 14-year-old accused of murder. And speaking of Apple, their original programming lineup is beginning to shape up. They're getting ready to announce plans, but some people are kind of suspicious because they've been announcing stuff for two years and haven't shown any actual footage yet. Of, of <laughs> Apple? Uh-huh. Well, they're, they're big announcements the 25th. That's where they're going to start showing off all their stuff there. They're going to reveal how we're going to get their content, what the right. packages are going to be, and they're going to actually show footage of their shows. Yeah, but it's like everybody's still, you know, we're, this 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 online streaming market is getting really crowded with Disney Plus, the the uh, the gorilla launching in fourth quarter this year. Speaking of Disney, the uh, the deal with 20th Century Fox closed, oh, closed at yeah. midnight yeah. on Wednesday. Yeah. So a, a disturbance was held throughout the cosmos. <laughs> uh, the the Big Bang Theory series finale will air May 16th as an hour-long special. Basically, it's two episodes put together. CBS All Access has cast Evan Evagora as a series regular in the upcoming Picard series, joining Patrick Stewart, Michelle Hurd, and Santiago Cambrera. HBO has set a first-look deal with Amy Adams and is developing an adaptation of the Poisonwood Bible as a miniseries. They have greenlit a Perry Mason miniseries starring Matthew Reese, formerly of the Americans, and produced by Robert Downey Jr. and his wife, Susan. It's going to be set in 1932 Los Angeles. He's going to be a divorced, low-rent PI haunted by his wartime experiences in France. It's basically, you know, the origin of Perry Mason became, before he became, Perry you Man. know, Well, that's also, Perry you, Mason. That way you don't have to make him look too old. And they also, uh, HBO also dropped the trailer for the long-awaited Deadwood movie. Oh, I thought you were going to say Stranger yes. Things Season 3. <clears throat> Hallmark has fired Lori Laughlin from all their projects, including Wind Calls the Heart, which will continue without her. And they put the show on a hiatus so the writers can figure out how to make her exit. Uh, <laughs> exit her. And they canceled Garage Sale Mysteries. Hulu uh, has announced that Lizzie Kaplan will join Castle Rock as budding psychopath Annie Wilkes in a misery themed season two. Wait, so such a weird choice. So I have a question. So, are we saying that Castle Rock season two is now it's an anthology, so it's not the same people at all, right? We're we're not exactly sure. <laughs> I okay. think it's supposed to take place in the same universe, the same right. world. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, I think I was like, is it? An, yeah, exactly. That was my question. Yeah, but she's such a weird choice for misery. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, she's not. She's not remotely frumpy enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Clayne Crawford, who was uh, fired from Lethal Weapon after season two joins the horror anthology Into the Dark, which evidently will be movie-length segments uh, released one every month. 
NBC has hired YouTube sensation Lily Singh to replace Carson Daly in his late night slot. And this is big news because finally we have a woman doing right. a late night show. Yep. And the blacklist has been renewed for season seven. Own has greenlit a romance anthology series, Cherish the Day, from Ava DuVernay. Pop has renewed Schitt's Creek for season six, which will be its final season. And finally, Stars has renewed American Gods for season three and has set Charles Igley, formerly of Egley, formerly of The Shield, as showrunner. Only thing I have that I see you may have missed <laughs> is that uh, sci-fi action series Mindscape, Mindscaping is the first Chinese show uh, from Brian Grazer and Ron Howard's production banner, and it involves a crime syndicate using mind control to amass power. Ooh, have to see. Okay, that's all I got. All right, let's move on with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about The Walking Dead, and this episode is called Scars and... What's weird, this is the flashback episode over the last, because we did a time jump six years forward, and this was the flashback where we find out, at least from Michonne's perspective, some of the things that happened that changed her attitude and her behavior in the six-year jump. And I have to say, the uh, guest star this week is Tara from... Blood. True blood. True, true blood. I was like blood something. True blood. Yes. True uh, blood. Yes. I, what is the actress's name? I blanked on her name. Oh. Uh, anyway, she. I, was, I, I really liked her in True Blood too, and I now I'm blanking on it. Sorry. Yeah. So she. The whole premise is basically there's two storylines happening. Regina Wesley. Thank you. Ah, there, there are two. Go. There are two storylines happening. One, uh, in like five years. Prior and then one that's happening present day, and it's not until you get towards the end of the story that you realize that they're almost not the same, but they're connected. Um, and I just I thought it one it was good storytelling, and two you got to see Michonne in a way that you probably haven't seen the whole series. She goes all over the place because all these different things are happening to her, and you know she's doing. It starts off with her grief searching for Rick's body at the beginning, and then she's super pregnant. And she meets uh, Regina Wesley. Um, Routina Wesley. Rut- what I said, obviously. Um, she meets her again, and apparently they were old college roommates. And they meet each other in the apocalypse. And Michonne kind of drops her guard and trusts her and doesn't really realize that she's become a monster in the apocalypse. So she's like, oh, I have all these kids because they're like... Um, I'm taking care of them because their parents couldn't handle it. And then you realize she basically is making child soldiers and kidnapping children. And so there's this point where she kidnaps Judith and Judith is only like four or five at this point. And I was like, Oh my God, did you just kidnap Michelle's baby girl? It's on. I was, it was, uh, it was really good. Except the only thing I have a problem with is Judith isn't the only child that got kidnapped. There were like, three or four kids that get kidnapped yet Michonne who is seven or eight months pregnant plus Daryl are the only ones that go after this woman. And I'm like, are you serious? Like some woman, some crazy woman kidnaps your kid and you're just like pregnant Michonne can take care of it. I'll stay back at home in case they call. Like what, what is going like? That was just a really bizarre, like they don't give an explanation. I just feel like I just needed one line of dialogue to explain like, the other parents went in different directions. Like, everybody went searching. 
something to explain why Michonne's out there eight months pregnant. That's insanity. Uh, but her performance, one thing um, they talked about in the behind the scenes is, you know, that scene where there when in her whole making the child soldier, she has them brand people. So there's this little like seven or eight year old branding Michonne and her big pregnant belly is all out and it's just insane. And she screams and she like screams right in her best, her friend's face. And they said they got that because Denai Guerrero just did, the the actress was standing behind the cameraman just to have give her an eye line, and she got so intense and leaned forward into her that the cameraman had to get out of the way, and he ended up getting this profile. Like the other actress wasn't supposed to be in the shot at all, and it was just a, a complete ad lib. And the director was like, "Holy crap! I can't believe we got that." So there was just some really good stuff, and then of course the big thing, which is, what would you do to save your child? Who would you kill? And Michonne's answer was pretty much everyone. Uh, And so she has to go through the child soldiers to get to her daughter. And she kills, like, all of them. It's a lot of kids. It was a whole lot of kids. Uh, And somebody was like, you know, look at the flowers. Carol's got nothing on her. And I was, it was was really intense. It was a really intense episode. Very Anakin Skywalker-ish, if you ask me. Well, Anakin Skywalker goes nuts because he's evil. Her thing is, if she doesn't get through these kids, they're going to kill Judith. Michonne killed younglings. Michonne killed a whole lot of younglings, but uh, she tried. But, but they were I, crazy homicidal younglings. Exactly. So there's that. They and she kept trying to talk them down, and they they stabbed her pregnant belly, and she was like, "Okay, I ain't got time for this." You know, it's like I can't allow you to kill my baby, and I can't allow you to kill my four year old. So I'm gonna have to start chopping heads. And what they did, which was interesting, was they intercut all that, you know, the killing, because they couldn't show her killing children. They intercut that with her killing all these walkers, trying to look for older Judith, who'd run away from home on her bicycle. And it was just, all that stuff was really good. It was very emotional. And when Judith runs to her when she's a little girl, versus older Judith running to her when she's older, like, all of that just really worked well for me. All right, I'm done. Anyone else? <laughs> Other thoughts? That pretty much covered it. Well, yeah, I guess I'll go for it. Um, yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, I, I had stopped watching The Walking Dead, but based on your recommendation, I decided to watch this episode uh, on demand. And yeah, you were absolutely right. This is this episode was uh, had fe- had like the feeling of the old Walking Dead that I used to like to watch. Because it had all those elements about, you know, how do we behave in a post-apocalyptic, you know, society where there, you know, the rules are different and uh, people can influence other people in ways that perhaps they couldn't do today, you know. And 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 you mentioned the callbacks to, you know, looking at the flowers and things like that. I thought it was a really an incredible episode. Um, if there were more episodes like that, I would continue to watch the show. Uh, <laughs> you know, it also explained, you know, because I, I did watch the season premiere and I was kind of wondering why, um, because we knew what uh, Michonne and Rick were trying to build in Alexandria. And it was unclear to me why Michonne was so guarded about bringing people into, you know, the family or, or bringing more people or rescuing more people that were out there. Uh, until I saw this episode and I get, oh my gosh, yeah, I mean, this was, 
a person that she really knew well um, that, you know, ended up betraying her and almost costing the, you know, uh, Judith's life and, and, and the life of her unborn child. So it was um, really an incredible story. And I thought it was well told and, and really great up. Yep. Two thumbs up for me. I mean, I was at the point where I was fast forwarding through Walking Dead episodes and I got to this and I was like, wow, this is what the show used to be. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, let's talk about Charmed. And this this week's episode, they do the the standard sci-fi body swap, but they do it poorly because the younger two sisters are not the acting geniuses that they think they are. I was like, no. I was like, which one is which? Like, I was seriously like at the end when they hadn't switched back yet. I couldn't tell that they hadn't switched back yet until they said it, and then I was like, mm-hmm. oh, they haven't. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. Uh, if you say so. Uh, the older sister's by far a better actress, and so's Harry. Um, and I think they should not try to give the heavy lifting to the young, the, the young, the younger sisters until they get better or something happens. I don't know. Well, yeah. Also, they need more. De- well, they need more defined personalities in order for us to even catch that they're supposed to be different people. I, I'm sorry, but their acting styles and their approaches to their characters are not so significantly different that there's really any way to play off something. You know, if somebody has a really defined personality and a, a different acting style and all of that, then you, there's something to contrast with. But the two of them are are just not that interesting and not that well-defined. So it was almost impossible to tell who was supposed to be who at any given time. You know, it's like, are, am I supposed well, to get... All I had were the clothes. It was like, one that, of them dresses better, that was it. Yeah. yeah one that, of them you has a girlfriend, the one of them has squad. a boyfriend, and one of them dresses like a frat girl. And mm-hmm. But there's nothing in terms of, like, behavior or tone no. of voice or anything nope. like that that really defines them. And, and you need to do that. Before you do, like, an episode like this, the, the people watching the show really need to know the specifics of a, of a particular character and how that actor plays them. And, you know, and, and there's just not that much yeah. difference there. So yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. I was like, this was Failure the worst body swap I've ever seen. <laughs> I was like every <laughs> sci-fi show I know has done it. And this was the worst one. It was very mm-hmm. bad. All right. I'm going to give charmed a thumbs down this week. Um, Although they did end with, you know, a thing for, for next week. Uh, oh, to look we find the big secret about who killed their mom. Like, that's yes. what they've been trying to go through all season, and we finally find out. Now yeah, we need so to know pretty, why. I, they still which, don't know why. Well, tonight, hopefully, we'll find out. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Supergirl. And I say we, I mean Tom. <laughs> and Greg. Right. The, the main... Yeah. The main reason I want to talk about Supergirl is John Cryer made his debut as Lex Luthor, and he was surprisingly good. Now, the show is still a hot mess, but uh, the, thing, the thing I liked about Cryer's version of Lex is he has this kind of the scheming of Gene Hackman, um, a little bit of the charm of, the, of uh, Michael Rosenbaum, and a little bit of the iconoclasm of... Uh, of the ill-begotten, uh, oh, the movie version, the last one, uh, uh, ADHD boy. Uh, oh, so he actually, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? He, yeah, but he actually yeah. used that guy. That guy's lame. No, no, he just in terms of 
the whole the whole thing about Superman being a false god, and you know, I was top dog in Metropolis before this guy came along. This is you know, this is why I hate him. The, the main thrust of the plot line, and it came from the comic books, is that kryptonite is poisonous to humans, and so Lex is dying of cancer and comes to Lena. He 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 gets released from prison specifically so he can get a cure from Lena. This super this superhuman thing. The serum she's working on to turn humans basically in the metas, and uh, long story short, the the previous week's episode ended with Jimmy Olsen getting shot. Sorry, James Olsen getting shot, and it turns out the whole thing was contrived. Lex had James shot so he could be the guinea pig for this serum because he's not going to do human testing on himself. And we also not. found out that Eve Teschmacher has been working for Lex the whole time. Who the heck is he? So she pulls a gun on Lena. Well, she another homage to the Hackman films. She's been the assistant at Catco since season one. Yeah, back when during the Callista Flockhart years. Years. I don't, so, I don't you know, have no idea. Slow you're burn. About. Uh, blonde, you know, pert blonde. Come blank. anyway. So the show is. I mean, the show itself is still, eh, it, it's my least favorite of all the Arrowverse shows, but uh, I'll watch this Cryer arc to see how it plays out. Nah, I'm good. Uh, Greg, did Greg, you have any thoughts? Think? Yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought it was good too. I mean, obviously I didn't have my uh, hopes very high. Um, <laughs> and so maybe that kind of tempered you know my expectations, but I thought he did a great job and I thought he was menacing enough um, because I am completely tired of this whole, what, what is it, you know... Oh, anti-alien hysteria. Yeah, the Brothers of Liberty or whatever. Agent, Agent Liberty and whatever, blah, blah. Yeah, and so, you know, it's... Um, if uh, Lex is, you know, him playing Lex is going to now be, you know, at least the villain of a few episodes, um, I, I think I definitely want to tune in just to see what happens. I think... Uh, I think uh, it was great because he seemed to be two steps ahead of everyone. And oh yeah, pretty much being you know the um, playing everyone like a marionette, and so I thought it was I thought it was really cool. Yeah, and I saw saw a couple of interviews with Cryer, and he was saying that you know one of the big differences between the, his version and Rosenbaum, Rosenbaum's arc on Smallville was how he becomes Lex Luthor. This one's fully this is a fully formed sociopath, and he was always bad. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I and, saw the, the only review I saw said that uh, the storyline on Supergirl is so convoluted already. Adding Lex Luthor to the mix just didn't even make sense because it's like they, well, don't even have, they don't even have a grip on the story that they have. Well, well maybe they're abandoning their ill-gotten story, and I, I doubt it. That might be a little bit better. Nah, that doesn't look like that's <laughs> going to happen. But but in in but in other news, I mean, um, you know, one of the things that I didn't like about I, I can't remember when it happened anymore now. But uh, when uh, John Jones decided that he was going to go off and you know live a life of peace and that sort of right. thing, you know, the other plot is that you know he's realized that he can't really just exit and let Supergirl handle everything when there's so much stuff going on, and so he realizes that. You know, he isn't going to be able to follow in his father's footsteps to be a man of peace. He's going to have to, you know, help uh, wherever there yeah, is. Yeah, but he was coming to that conclusion in the middle of the season. Why did it take this long for him to actually say it? Well, because he, he because he, Manchester Black go, goaded him into killing him. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
I liked Manchester Black. Well, oh, well. he gone. <laughs> All right, let's move, let's move on because I that that ugh, Supergirl just makes me angry. Um, <laughs> next up, let's talk about the two-hour season finale of The Passage since we missed that last week. Um, and I will say this: the first hour was basically just them finishing the whole escape from the facility. But man, the second hour just totally was like a different show. Now we're in the like the middle of the apocalypse. We're living up in a in a cabin in the woods, and all this stuff is it's it's finally getting to the book. Yeah, the book <laughs> basically. I mean, the book starts in the facility too, but that all that happens early. So we're finally getting to what the world. The whole point of the passage is what is the world like after the vampires take over. And it takes a while for us to get to that. But what they managed to do in the post-apocalypse is uh, they got... Uh, everybody basically has ends up getting like a pass to immortality. Everybody, like the, the girlfriend, the ex-wife, she got a shot of the cure, which is going to, we find out later, make her kind of immune to the vampires. We know that uh, Agent gets a shot which will basically do the same thing. And then we had, um, oh, what's his name from Lost? Uh, Desmond. Yes, he get, he makes he creates his own version of the shot, gives it to himself. And then we have the uh, security guy who basically bonds with the vampire and becomes her Renfield. So the a lot of the cast gets, because at the very end they do a time jump 97 mm-hmm. years later, and by doing what they did, it allows most of the cast to, in theory, still be alive. Most. We're, we're still out Sykes, which is a shame. But Oh, oh well. right. Right. She's, she's the, the, she blew herself up, did the big sacrifice play. Yeah. Unless she was smart enough to inoculate herself beforehand, in which case, she's immortal, too. <laughs> just buried under a lot of debris. So... So what do you think of the finale, Allison, since you're talking? Um, I really enjoyed it. And I I have not read the books, so I didn't know what to expect, where it was going to go. I was very surprised already that, you know, when they did the time jump to when the with them living in the woods, um, I thought all the breakout and everything going to hell, uh, um, although it was expected, was handled really, really well. I loved the moment where... um, Amy herself makes the decision to try to blow up the the lab. Right. And because uh, essentially it's committing suicide, you know, as far as she's concerned. And she does it anyway. She's the only one who's strong enough to do it, which I thought was fantastic. Um, and even though it doesn't work out the way they had been hoping, um, which is obvious, it's still I, I, I loved that moment. And I loved how how everything played out after that question and what did you think of the future flash where she saves surprised, the guy well the are you talking about the very the very end future flash no or, no no, no. Oh, you're talking about oh when he's when when he's in the uh, desert fanning or has, yeah right fanning fanning has her um up against the tree and suddenly they both have this flash and that that was very weird and i didn't know what to make of that initially i didn't know whether it was a hallucination or an actual you know uh, premonition um but i mean seeing her she was obviously older and you know they're in this field and it was almost bucolic other than the fact that he's dying it, there was it was so you know 
utopian, really. Um, the the image that they had with this field and this tree and the whole thing, and so I I didn't know quite what to make of that until I said, yeah, yeah, that is definitely something that's going to happen, and who knows exactly when it could be, you know, a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, but at some point she's going to to be necessary to save him. Yeah. So I I thought that that was a, a really neat touch and, and really well done. What I didn't expect was to have them, you know, time jump all the way up to them living in a cabin in the woods. Let um, alone the other jump. <laughs> and the other jump completely blew me away. I think that that's got to be, you know, we've, we've talked about time jumps that have been surprising before, like, you know, ba- uh, Battlestar Galactica when they did a jump of a year later, mm-hmm. or things like that. I think that they have now made the, the all-time champion jump <laughs> of 97 but, years in the future and in the, the middle of the, the apocalypse. In it's the book. Be a jump. But, but again, they're following the book. Yeah, but yeah. the book, it's actually which a, I, it's again, a thousand. Yeah. The, the book, it's a thousand-year time jump. So oh, so this okay. is actually miles. This is baby steps. It's less drastic than in the book. Yes. In the yeah. book it's a thousand. Which they years. remember which they remember did exist. Yes. I mean, well, I, I was pretty sure that they were gonna have to do this because the stuff in the lab and the and then the the walkers get lord. The uh vampires? Virals, whatever we're calling the them. Virals. virals. Yeah. Um they they have to break out and destroy the world. That's the entire book is about the post apocalypse. So trying to maintain the series in the real world doesn't work because you run out of material too soon. And they stretched the material from the book. Already. I was gonna say they they really stretched. <laughs> From my understanding, from talking to a friend yeah. of mine who yeah. read the book, I, I, I read it too. Yeah, it doesn't, and they cheated because the agent doesn't live. Obviously, a thousand years into the future. Yeah, so, they. So, I, I read an interview with the producers where they said we just couldn't kill him. We just couldn't bring ourselves <laughs> to kill him. Yeah, well, I, I I read the same stuff, and they were saying, which is absolutely true, because we've talked about it here on the on the podcast, is that really the relationship between Amy and the agent is the heart of the show, right? You know, it's it's all about the two of them and their bond together. And so I think if they had actually, you know, lost the agent at some point, um, that that would have taken just uh, a whole lot out of the show. I still don't know if they've been renewed for a season two. I yeah. really still, think they yeah, are. We don't know. But the the only thing I'm worried about is usually, very expensive show. Well, that is an expensive show, and most shows create their sets in season one and then they start making money in season two, but the way they've designed it, they got to make a whole new set mm-hmm. for season yeah. two. Uh, Cause we have this new compound that she's going to at the end and that's going to be the set for season two. And they got to build that. And so that's almost yep. like doing a season one show again. So they're still not going to be making money. And that's the thing that I find worrisome. Um, but it's good. I mean, I like the passage. The only thing that, and the thing that bothered me the most is when the agent died. And I was like, what? We're a thousand years in the future. That means the agent isn't here. Oh my God. So I, I'm, I'm glad they kept him. All right, let's move on. Oh, wait, someone else wants to talk? No, I, I just want to say their relationship, if they get a season two, will be really different, though, because there's a difference between, you know, a, 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 an, a, an adult and a 10 year old girl. And then if you add 97 years, she may <laughs> yeah. look like a girl, but she's not. No, mm-hmm. not at all. All yeah. right. And, and, and you I, know, no. they haven't been together in all that time, too. So right. it changes the relationship radically. 
Craig, yeah, and I just noticed, yeah, I just noticed that the actress playing Amy, I don't know if they did this with camera tricks because um, I guess Mark Paul Gonsling is kind of tall, but I just kind of, I thought she was like a little girl. And then all of a sudden she was in this scene with Emmanuel Shikri and she was like as tall as her. And I was like, what just happened? How did she grow like that? What is going She's on? She's been growing all season. She's hitting, she hit her growth spurt. Yeah, she must have hit her growth spurt because I swear, like, at the beginning of the episode, she was really short. And by the end of the episode, she was almost as tall okay, as Okay, well, maybe not that much of a spurt. But, <laughs> yes, she did hit her growth spurt in this season. All right, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about the Black Light- Lightning season finale. And the only thing that I can say that made me happy about this finale was finally it looks like uh, Tobias is going to be off my ice. screen. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Oh my yeah. god! Two seasons of the same villain is too much. Yeah, yeah. Well, they didn't do really unless anything he breaks new with out. Him. Yeah. They didn't well, really do anything interesting and new with him. Season two. That's the problem. No, no. They, he's I kind start, of a one note villain, unfortunately. Very, and well, the problem I'm is the worried actor. that they're going to break him out after this, you know, and we'll just have more of him. Well, I, I think that would be. I don't dull. think so. I think they're going to have the new villain is uh, the scientist dude, the guy that's got all the. The bodies and the all the kids. What is his well, name? No, oh, the the agent from the made up organization. Well, he's talking about there being this metahuman war between Markovia, which is so, so weird. I was like, we're gonna fight Markovia, really? Isn't that Doctor Doom? Wait, no. Who's who's no, ahead that's, of Mark- that's Markovia? That's it's it's DC Universe. Oh, mixing uh, universes. Who's type- in charge of Markovia? Well, the Mark the Markov family, <laughs> uh, Prince Brian and uh, I mean Tara. Who, if you're watching, depending on where you are in Outsiders, or not Outsiders, where you are in Young Justice season three, it's funny they're doing many of the same plot elements in both shows. Oh, I am in season. I'm at the end of season one of Young Justice. Is my problem. Gotta catch up. All right. Um, and plus, I... Khalil. Khalil's not really dead. Yes, we all could have guessed that one. But I will say this season has been much weaker than season one to me. Because season one was all about the family coming together and the older sister getting her powers in her suit and the younger sister finding out she has powers and not knowing what to do. And then this season was just all about Jennifer going, oh my god, I hate my powers for the whole season. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Until, like, two episodes ago when she's like, well, I can use my powers to kill Tobias. And I'm just, they just did not plot that well. I, I yeah. really thought she was going to get her suit and be part of the team way earlier. They just took way too long, and then they had to run away and do this other stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Hated all of it. All of it. Um, and then the mom Tell us was what you really drunk. think. Well, I mean, I, I am. <laughs> so mom was a drunk for a while, and I'm like, is she still a drunk? What's going on? Like, the plot was all over the place, and it was not clean. Season one was a very clean story. Season two was was just a mess. And I'm hoping that now that we've, like, restarted and we're going to have a fresh story for season three, that it'll be better. But, man, talk about sophomore blues. Go ahead. Anyone else? I thought that, I mean, one of the things they they chose for season two is they broke up the segments into different books and chapters. So, you know, obviously you didn't like when they had the Young Lovers on the Run chapter or book. That was several episodes. That wasn't one episode. I said 
book they separated it into books and chapters that was like a four episode arc yes it was terrible the whole thing <laughs> but we, um people in the woods um with the baby and the yeah you know, yeah we, we had that that something happened with that and now that's done it's just it wasn't clean it wasn't a fully thought out storyline and I couldn't tell you what Tobias was doing from one moment to the other because he kept changing his mind. He and... wants to traffic metahumans. That's what his goal is. Yeah, except then he let them all out because he was mad. And then it was just like, it, none of that worked. None of that worked. And it made him look dumb. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the question is, are you going to tune in for season three? I want to see what the storyline is. I haven't given up on Black Lightning. I want to see if they fix this problem. I'd still put Black Lightning head and shoulders above the other Arrowverse shows. Well, it's better than Supergirl, yes. Well, that's not saying much. (laughs) And And it's better than Arrow. The Flash goes back and forth. Sometimes I think it has a story, sometimes I don't. I think I'm frustrated because it was so good last year. I think that's my issue, is that Black Lightning was so good that I was recommending it to people and so happy about it. And this season, I can't recommend it to anybody. I couldn't tell. I could not in good conscience tell somebody to watch season two. I think that's my issue. That's all. All right. Unless someone else has something else to say, we're going to move on because I don't want to keep spouting negativity. Uh, (laughs) Next up, we're going to talk about The Rookie. And this was apparently a slightly divisive episode. Some people thought that it was very serious and amazing and good and all that. And then some people were like, how dare you kill this character? Um, I was surprised, definitely, because we were we spent the last or the first part of the season getting to know the captain, getting to know about her record. We did a ride along with her and we spent all this time with her. So when this happened, I really didn't see it coming. I, I did not. And so they get points for surprise, but I feel cheated because I feel like there was more to learn about her. I wanted to spend more time with her. So, Thoughts, anyone? I think it's funny that this is the second episode of The Rookie I've watched, and both of them tended to be atypical episodes in that they were very serious, and then this one results in, the, in them getting rid of a lead. Um, you know... If you're going to kill a character, it's good to kill somebody that you like versus somebody you don't like. Well, that's because true. Because it, mean, it right. means something. And it was a shock, and everybody had different reactions. And I liked that uh, Nolan tried to put it on himself and and was told, no, this isn't about you. Right. She did, she made her choice. Right. So that's don't true. make this about you. That's true. She, um, every At every point where he tried to back down, she encouraged him to move forward. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting because when she, when when the uh, uh, when the woman pulled the knife on the other person and they arrested her, and she's like, "Don't you know who I'm? Like, who are you, rich somebody or whatever?" And when it turns out she's the girlfriend of a white supremacist, I'm like, "Oh." And the <laughs> fact that they know? Talk... But my thing was, why would he know who she was? But I just thought it was interesting considering what's going on in the real world around us. True. Especially the fact that they target, they put the bounty on his head, 
not on the black cop who was there because she didn't do anything wrong. Right. So it's, it, I, I just thought it was an interesting kind of quasi real world commentary that these people are crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but it, it, it seemed really realistic that, you know, you've got, you've got the head of some organization who's in jail. And so he's got his idiot son running the organization <laughs> and he's going to do idiot things and especially idiot things for his girlfriend, who is apparently a privileged brat who gets whatever she wants. And so all of that kind of played into plausibility for this. It was just really horrific to see, you know, how how things like this probably happen in real life and how people lose their lives over just trivial stuff. Yeah. Yeah, thumbs up. I would agree. Idi- idiot sons of privileged people? <laughs> Boy, that's that's crazy talk, right? Wow, wow. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the Flash. Um, and this episode, I haven't been that excited about the Flash this season either. It's once you find out, especially once you find out Nora's been keeping this big secret. And all episode, they keep giving her hints that she should tell her secret. And you think, okay, she's going to do it now. Okay, how about now? Okay, what about now? And then finally, it has to be Sherlock who starts just... Ah, Sherlock. Whatever, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when he just starts giving pieces of uh, what's happening, and he he gives her opportunities to fill it in and do the confession herself, and she just keeps yelling at him to stop because she's scared. I mean, as she should be of her parents' reaction. So... It's finally yeah. out of the bag. What'd you think, Greg? Well, even Thawne told her, just like, okay, you only have one more option left. You're going to tell your dad. She's like, huh! <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then, yeah, she said, yeah, she said all these opportunities to get... Woman up. Get help from her parents. And she decided not to. So, yeah, it was like, Sherlock just kept going. He just kept going. It's like, okay, I can stop any time if you want to finish this story. But uh, she didn't, so... Uh, but I am happy, I guess, with The Flash. I was getting, you know, I get tired of the, the one villain for the entire season sort of thing. So I I am happy that they kind of cured uh, Cicada. Um, but then, of course, they just brought in, like, another Cicada, although a Cicada with more powers than the regular Cicada. Um, Who's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Killed her own uncle. He's like, oh, mm. you're just weak. Yeah, well, but crazy they, seems to run in the family, frankly. Seriously. So. Yeah, but then it was like the the whole, like a couple episodes ago when they were going to cure um, the, the little girl. And then Cicada was like, no, cure me first um, because I want to make sure that this whatever you're going to give me is OK for her. And so I'm like, OK, well, once you figure out who the new Cicada is, why don't you just rush straight to the hospital and inject they, her? No, they say they, they had a whole thing where they're like, we well, need know, her permission. Yeah, they just threw this dialogue in. It's like, oh, it's unstable, and she won't survive. And we, I was no, like, no, no, what? They didn't say that she wouldn't survive. They said no. They said it had to be her choice. It had which to be is her choice. Silic thing I have ever. Heard. It's. I, I mean, you know, the thing is, I they am basically the, created their own their own uh, blockade for their story. Exactly. Lives. They had to invent uh, a stumbling block because otherwise they'd have no story. And that's what really gets me about the flash all the time. It's just uh, this exercise of stupid people being stupid. They never, nobody ever does anything intelligent. Nobody ever tells anybody a secret. 
Um, every, everything is secretive. Every, no, nobody actually shares information that might solve a problem because apparently the writers don't know any other way to, to make a story function. All the characters always have to you know, make a moral uh, stumbling block to solving an issue that ought to be simple. It's like if, if you know this kid is going to grow up to be a monster, of course you give her the injection. She, first of all, she's comatose. She's not going to be able to to give you her her okay one way or the other. She's also a child, so you have to go to her guardian for, you know, whoever is going to make a decision about her, and that would have been her uncle, and he said, yeah, as soon as you do me, do her. So they essentially have a legal okay. Um, There is is no reason other than the story is just, you know, they don't know any other way to move the storyline forward other than inventing these artificial things. And the, the uncle is, is you know the is another issue where i mean they make him monstrous and crazy and homicidal and he's a serial killer the injection he's fine and it's, it's, he's fine he's a good guy now if they had done if all they had to do was put in a line of dialogue saying oh it was the black matter that made him crazy and actually he's a really good guy and so once that's gone he reverts back but they didn't so instead suddenly he's he's an a wonderful person, you know, and his, his niece is terrible. It's like, you don't have to make him wonderful for comparison. Okay. You don't have to go there. He he was terrible too. And now you don't have to show him being all shocked at her actions because he did it before. So it's just, I, I am so done with the show. I'm going to see it to the end of the season and then I'm deleting it off my DVR because there's just so much I can take. (laughs) All right, let's move on. And I have no argument. Uh, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about Roswell really quickly. And we haven't talked about it in a while, mainly because the storyline for me has been moving at a snail's pace. But then uh-huh. all of a sudden, they were like, ooh, let's speed stuff up. Let's do time jumps. Let's do, do. I was like, wait, what? They uh, should have done this episode like five episodes ago. I don't disagree. So, I mean, I totally get what you're saying. But they had that. They have this injection that that can take away all your powers, and and Isabel's obviously dangerous because she's having blackouts. So they give it to her. Well, <laughs> they're like, "Oh, we never use it. It's never been tested. We don't know the side effects." Blah 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 blah. And then one of the doctors shows up and punches her in the chest with the shot, and you're like, "Wait, what just happened?" And then all of a sudden she starts degrading, and they got to put her in stasis. And there was the weird music video where she covers herself in silver, which I'm not sure what that was about. Um, and now we have everyone's looking for her because they didn't have a good enough lie to explain where she went, and so there's a lot of a lot of moving parts. And I liked oh uh, something black, what is her first name? As their mom, Claudia Black. Thank you. I said black. I got one name. <laughs> uh, so she plays their adoptive mom and. That's that scene where uh, Max breaks down and just starts crying and like her lap was really good and all that. They, they, they hit some really good points in these last couple episodes, but man, I felt like I wasted my time for several episodes before this. But yeah, it's, I think it's starting to get good. And then the whole conspiracy of all the children of the conspirators trying to piece together what's going on. That was that was really good, too. I really didn't expect his blackmail of his father. I don't know those, any of those people's names. But the father, who's the general, gets blackmailed by his son into leaving the country. I really didn't expect that to work at all. 
but for yeah, some reason I'm, it I'm, did. I'm pretty sure he'll be back. I know he'll be back, but I, I felt like his threat wasn't solid enough to make this dude run away. That's all. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I'll keep watching because it's just good enough to sustain my interest. But I really—they needed to move this arc so yeah, much faster it need, it needs than to be it faster. has, and that's the kind of thing that—that's the kind of thing that could determine whether this show comes back or not because it hasn't been picked up yet. Yep. If it does come back, it's going to be on the strength of Julie Plex's name. Probably true. And yeah. promises for her to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts before we move on? Nah. All right. Next up, uh, This Is Us has a really good ep- had a good episode where we have the the uh, Kate and her husband are trying to figure Toby. out yes are trying to figure out how to deal with the preemie baby and they're both having very different reactions to it, which is you know I mean it's true to life. That's what the more it's thing very is. real, very realistic. Right, mm-hmm. and I really that's what I really like about this show is they show conflicts that feel real. Mm-hmm. Um, and even... Uh, it's not Russell. Randall. Randall. Randall and his wife are... Yes. Ha- having... I'm just saying, they know who I'm talking about! <laughs> but yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have, they're having similar, like, real-life issues. Like, the love... I would say they were the love of each other's lives. I would have said that super easily last year but it's basically like Beth has started to reveal a part of Randall's personality that's super selfish and starting well I mean it's it's been a slow process I mean I would have said he's the most loving husband ever and then when he wants to be I said starting to reveal like it's, it's been happening over about a year where you start to get glimpses of him being selfish. and But he always kind of couches it in a way where it doesn't seem like he's selfish. That it makes logical sense. And this episode, he loses his mind. When I heard him leave that voicemail, I was like, dude. Oh. Dude. Like, no. I mean, the problem is he gaslights her part of the time. And he specifically said during the campaign which came out of the blue that if you want me to stop I will do this and then, and then when she asks and then him when to. she's and, and she asks him to and he doesn't right cuz it was like he didn't think she'd ever call that bluff yeah, yeah. i mean he's selfish oh, what's it what's what's interesting in, is he and kevin in many respects are definitely alike oh and yeah it's, and it's who would have thought that we'd really realize in season three, that Kate is the most emotionally healthy, balanced of the three of these kids, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because she doesn't she doesn't conceal when she's be, when she's a mess, and the others, you know, one turns to the bottle and the other represses it and does passive aggressive stuff. Right, right. So yeah, he's he's totally screwing up his marriage, yeah, he and he totally has no out. one no one to blame but himself. Right, he was completely yep. out of line. Totally out of line. Um, and the thing is, you know, she was telegraphing like every sign that, you know, that she was she was not okay with this. Yep. That she was, you know, that she had had her own thing, her own ambitions and everything else that and she needed him to, to pay attention to that. And he just he 
was blind to all of it. All he saw was what he personally needed. And it, it you just by the time it finally culminated in that phone call, it's like all I thought was, "Oh, you are going to regret that for the rest yeah. of your life." And as soon yeah. and he realized it, and he was like, "How do I delete that from her voicemail?" Like I thought he was going to go Mm-mm. on like a James Bond mission <laughs> and like steal her phone and try to do something crazy. What you need to do is invent a time machine, go back a couple of hours, and don't leave the stupid message. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, he screwed that up. Now, that's yeah. that's the nail in that coffin. But uh, what's going on with Kevin? Kevin has to decide. Oh, Ke- Kevin, runs, Kevin runs into his ex and decides to, you know. Yes, I actually was not looking forward to that because I saw the previews last week and I thought, Oh my God, we are not going to recycle the story. And they didn't. I was very happy with that. Thankfully. Actually, well, as soon as she said, no, actually I have a fiance. I went, yeah, I'm yeah, engaged. Glory. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. We are not going down that road. But um, it wasn't really about that. He just wanted kind of <clears throat> someone who knew him really well. He needed a sounding board. Mm-hmm. And so well, that the was thing interesting. Ah, <sighs> No, not you don't think so? No, he just needs to grow up. Well, yes. I mean, Zoe <laughs> asked a very simple question. Are you okay with me? It wasn't okay simple. That wasn't it a simple. A... I mean, phrasing it is simple, but it's not a simple question. Yeah, but the thing is, dude, he would be the worst father ever. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Oh, well, my God. I'm not going to argue with you on that, but it is a question that you have to ask because... He just always assumed he'd have kids, and he never thought about the idea of not. And so it's not a – and I like the fact that Zoe was like, don't answer me right now. Go think mm-hmm. about it. And and that's what he was doing. He was trying to figure it out. So I, I appreciate don't know. He goes back and forth so much. I mean I don't know necessarily if I believe him. I know he you – know, the... he, oh, he, he says that he's like, okay, I've made my decision. You know, it's you. I choose you. You know, but I, I don't know Until if I will. Until next week. Until yeah. next week. Wow. Or he might be the one, oh, I can, I can, I can win her over to my point of view later. Right. Well, I, don't yeah. think he, I don't think he thinks that he can change her mind. She's not the kind of person that changes her mind. Have you met no. Kevin? <laughs> True. The thing is, I, I, I feel you know, like he the, knows her better hand. than that. Yeah, the thing is, I don't think that one should have children until one has stopped being a child oneself, <laughs> and, true, and true. he clearly has not, and probably never will. But, uh, he, you know, he grew up in this very warm, loving family, and I think that that's what he wants to recreate. And right. so I don't think that this conversation is necessarily over. I wish it would be, because I, th- I, I, would, I would feel so sorry for any child that he had. But um, I think in in this sense, he's lucked out by being in a relationship with a woman who doesn't want children because I think he'd be a terrible father. He's, he's not done being a kid himself. And part of the problem is too many people enter relationships or marriages thinking of the other person as, you know, I can fix him or her as, as if it was a home improvement project and life does not work like that. I don't think he thinks her that way, but let's move on. We're running out of time. We got to keep going. I'd say thumbs up for. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. All right, next up, we're going to talk magicians. And what the heck happened this week? Uh, the monster, this week, we uh, found out rest- that the monster is not rebuilding his body. Those pieces are actually like power stones or something. 
We found out. Yeah, we haven't learned exactly oh, what it is. Oh, right. But well, apparently, we, we, we think he's trying to level up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. So, but it's not what, what we all assumed initially. It's totally something different. Um, and then. The episode was ostensibly about rescu- rescuing Marley Matlin. Right. From, the, from right. Your and world. then we, we spend a lot of time with Alice. And yeah, we, we, get, we get two sides of Alice equally annoying. <laughs> yes, I still I, I don't care what they do. I'm never gonna like Alice again. So, yeah. but and I like that dialogue. Hillary. Um, oh, oh yeah, the um um Finn um Finn had to depose Margot. Oh right, but Margot voluntarily did it because she's like, I'm gonna go save um Elliot. Elliot. Elliot, right? So she's got a mission. It's all good. But I loved the way that was handled because it, I thought, you know, especially watching the previews, oh, it's just going to be, you know, someone taking over and, and all of that. They're going to depose her and it's going to be ugly. And instead, no, she she volunteers for it and says, she do begged this. Her to, she begged her to do it. Yeah. And Fen did not want to. Fen was oh, crying. Right. She was unhappy. You know, she did not want. And I'm sure it, it's equal because she respects Margot mm-hmm. and also because she personally really doesn't want to be the one in charge. Right. Um. So I, I think that, you know, there, it came from two places there, but I, I just loved how everybody reacted. It's like there's something, everybody behaved like an adult, essentially. There is something bigger than me. Right. Um, and, mm-hmm. and put aside things to help other people. And that's one of the things that I like about magicians is that, you know, these, they're supposed to be like college age kids, but they really do in, well, in gra- their best grad sense. Age. Grad school. They're they're in their best sense. They do behave like adults, and um, you know I think that's so refreshing in shows where you have something magical or supernatural going on, um, where usually the the thing is that people just don't behave with any common sense at all. And in this, I like to see how they actually work together and how they'll put aside their own personal problems to achieve a goal, right. which which. I think this was a, a perfect example of that. Yeah, it was good. As yeah, much fun because as because it was we, too much. I thought it was a little bit too much Alice for me. But go ahead. As much as 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 many plot uh, opportunities as separating Elliot and Margot has afforded, I really do miss the two of them together because oh, yeah. they just they're just so much fun. That's but true. I just really. Without Elliot, Margot's really been able to come into her own. What an interesting, fully fleshed out character. And her 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 thing with Josh, wow, wow. Came, out of, came out of left field. But, but it's awesome. really kind of, But she really is kind of in. They're into each other. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> I, I would not have expected to. that that pairing at all. <laughs> no, it, I, it, I didn't it, see that coming. Amazingly works. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna say thumbs up, magicians. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about legacies, and when I say we, I mean you guys. And this was episode fifteen, which was my episode. Yay! I got to cut about four of the scenes, so I'm really happy about that. Uh, so what, what what what's what's the what's the kid who didn't know what he was and now knows what he is? Oh, Landon. Landon. Oh, Landon. 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 Okay, Landon finds like... out he's son of a golem. Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> he's son of Malibor. Son of a golem. <laughs> Oh, how long have you been waiting to say that? <laughs> some some of the um the thing the thing I, I noticed about this episode is several of these characters several of these actors are not as good as the others and so whenever we cut to them the twins um, <laughs> my interest level my interest wow. level waned 
big time. Well, my question, but, what did you think of the big reveals? There are a lot of big, big information drops in this one. Um, I thought it was interesting. I had never thought about that. Um, everybody loves a good golem story. <laughs> so I don't quite trust his quote unquote brother because he's got that look about him. What's that, that look? Shifty, smart. Shifty, not to be trusted. <laughs> okay. Sort of shifty McSmarmerson, you know. <laughs> uh, Greg, what did you think of the episode? You haven't talked in a little bit. Oh, um, I thought the episode, you know, was really uh, exposition heavy. Um, there was a lot of storytelling. I mean, it was like it was like story and story and story. So I like the fact that they intercut that with, you know, the big reveal that was going on with the the girls finally finding out about the merge. Oh, so right. I kind of that that we had something, you know, uh, another story to go along with that. Um, and I and I actually really um, enjoyed uh, uh, Hope having a conversation with herself that was really Landon because it was kind of cool that you had Landon talking to her, but then you know he knew things that that he could say that were from her subconscious or whatever uh, to kind of you know kind of bring her to realize Call her she really BS. yeah yeah um, <clears throat> and so that was I thought that was really cleverly done. Uh, but yeah, it was it was very exposition heavy, and it was like, oh, okay, okay, I got that part. Okay, oh, there's more. Okay, oh, okay. and oh, oh, and then they turned on him. Okay, there's more. Okay, great. Uh, oh, and now, oh, oh, and now, oh, he's your brother. Oh, there's even more. Oh, <laughs> and Malivore is the father. Yes, <laughs> and Daddy is a mud monster. Okay. Yes. There was a lot. I will admit that there was a lot. I remember when I read the script, I was worried. I was like. There's a lot of exposition in this episode. And my editor was like, yes, there is. And we just looked at each other like, hmm. Because we had lucked out. We had really big monster episodes all the way up until this one. But I I do like that. And I wish almost that this episode and the finale was played back to back. Because it feels almost like one big episode. Because this basically oh, tees up. Because, I mean, look at the thing about the end. The end is triad is invading the school so this episode tees up the next episode is the next episode the finale yes oh wow yeah okay yeah. Cool. but what what i did appreciate with this episode and i credit it entirely to the fabulous editing um <laughs> <laughs> nice. is that there was there was it was like a mountain of exposition and you didn't feel it while you were watching it it didn't feel like you were just being you know having this giant exposition unloaded on you even though there was there was there was like reveal after reveal after reveal and it just it it flowed very well it had a very nice organic flow to it instead of feeling like oh everything's being shoved in my face this minute because they forgot to do it earlier um so i i really appreciated that it the story flowed extremely well and that all the different reveals felt natural in their place in the story okay it's cool uh, so where's your level of surprise that landed as a mud baby? <laughs> I knew his father was going to turn out to be something, you know, weird. I thought it was going to be some creature from that pool of mud. I didn't think it would be the pool of mud itself, you know, that, that kind of makes, you know, 
Thanksgiving's awkward. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know my question. Do you guys think that uh, Landon is going to betray uh, his family, meaning Clark and Malivore, or is he going to betray his new family, meaning Hope and everybody at the school? Which side do you think he's going to pick? I think he'll always pick Hope. Although, from a storytelling perspective, there are more... There are more opportunities if he betrays Hope and the others. Yeah, and and knowing how all of these supernatural stories tend to go, the only way that you'll be able to kill the big bad is if he forms back into some humanoid shape again, so that you can chop off his head, or remove, or I guess as I was far as say chop off his head, he's made of mud. Or okay, then, <laughs> or as the story was told, remove the markings from his head, which which in turn like uh, removes his power or kills him. One of the two. But of course, he'd have to be solidified to do that. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. So we kind of know where it's going to go. Do you? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. And this episode was like, let's talk about exposition and getting reveals. It's like, oh, you think you know who the Red Angel is. Ha 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 ha. You do well, not. They, they they announce it at the end of the cold opening, and then they're wrong. Bum, of course. Bum, bum. Well, I mean, the thing that's crazy is they're they're like the red angel is obviously Michael, and then I went, but if the angel is Michael, and you guys want to capture the angel, angel Michael's literally in the room right now. That why are you discussing your plans with the person you're trying to trap if she's in the room with you? Well, like, no. A future version of Michael. I know, which means she knows everything the past version knows. So it doesn't make sense to discuss your plans with You're the making person. my head hurt with this, your time travel paradox. <laughs> <about. laughs> I'm just saying, like, it didn't everyone, make sense. Everyone has gone to temporal mechanics class. I mean, exactly. everyone never... Exactly. You know you can't. If you're going to make a plan to capture future Michael, you need to send present Michael out of the room. Because the whole time where they're coming up with this really elaborate plan and getting Michael to help them, I was like, uh, that's a terrible idea. And and I said, well, it, it has to work in the regard of Michael does still have to save herself. That is a thing that's, that has to happen. But she's going to know it's a trap and how to stop your trap. So I thought that Michael, that the Red Angel was going to show up and none of the trap would work. That mm-hmm. was what I thought was going to happen. I was wrong, <laughs> and then because I, they were because they were wrong, right? And I also did doubt whether Michael would because my first thought, like three episodes ago, was Michael is the Red Angel, and I was like, oh, that can't be right. That's what uh, I thought too. Yeah, and so I had already had that idea, decided that couldn't be correct, and so then to get to this episode, and they're like, we've just figured it out. Michael is the Red Angel, and I was like, mm, I don't know about that. Um. So what do you think, Greg? Oh, well, um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I think when I was trying to do some research, I think I went out, I either heard some dialogue that has been stated in the episodes, or I heard it on the internet that maybe one time they saw the Red Angel, they thought it was they thought it was a male person, and then another time they saw the, the Red Angel, that, it, that the Red Angel was female, and so... I kind of thought that it might be Burnham and Spock at some point, but then as things kind of they started talking more about Burnham's parents, I kind of thought, okay, well maybe 
one of the red angels is her father and one of the red angels is her mother. And so that's what I was thinking. I thought you got that theory from the internet. When yeah. you told me the theory, you were like, the internet is saying this. And, I, and, right. and, to be, and what's funny is I was like, that's a terrible theory. That can't be right. And <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> so uh, as soon as the actress came out of the shell, I was like, oh, man, it's her mom. I was actually confused for a little bit because I was like, the actress came out of the shell, and I was like, wait a minute, she looks kind of black, but she looks kind of Asian. And I was like, did, <laughs> I was like, did Burnham and Giorgio have a child? <laughs> Why is your brain broken? <laughs> I was like, what happened? <laughs> Why is your... Yeah, no, can, can I can't do that. Stop having a broken brain. Go can ahead. I talk about one of my favorite moments in the episode? Go ahead. Uh, it's when Colbert goes to see Cornwall. Admiral Cornwall, as in her, she's a doctor, she's a psychiatrist. Right. And he so asks he goes her to opinion, her for counseling. Yeah. And I thought that was a great moment, which uh, I've always been a fan of Jane Brooke ever since a, a 90s telefilm doing time on Maple Drive with the late B.B. Besh and uh, Jim Carrey in one of his first dramatic roles. But just helping him, I, I'm glad they're not rushing through this storyline because. I think so many times on TV sh- TV shows or movies, especially sci-fi ones, somebody comes back from the dead. It's like, no big whoop. It's like, no, big whoop. <laughs> he was dead, and now he's not. And he knows he was dead. That's weird. <laughs> Let's yep. take a moment to process this. Yep, yep. Or several episodes. Oh, that was good. All right, well, we're going to say thumbs up. Uh, I'm trying to keep moving on this. Uh, I did like Spock's and, and, and Michael's fight, sibling fight. It was awesome. <laughs> they have the best conversations ever. Oh, uh, could you imagine growing up in that household? <laughs> no. Shoot somebody. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Doom Patrol. And this was episode called Doom Patrol. What? Um, Doom Patrol Patrol. Doom <laughs> All the episodes have patrol in the yes. title. So yes. Doom Patrol Patrol. So what what did you think of this one? I thought it was interesting. We we get to meet the original members of the Doom Patrol that was clearly a superhero team, and Minto is kind of the leader. And uh, although Allison and I were talking about a little bit before the podcast, although aspects of the plot line were kind of predictable, the execution was pretty good, and it was a character study. Mm-hmm. What did you think, Allison? Uh, pretty much the same thing. I, I think the the really strong part of the show is are the characters and how they interrelate to each other and what their backgrounds are and all their various personal traumas and psychoses and whatnot. And so it, how much you are enjoying this show, I think is going to be how much you care about the individual characters. Right. Cause sometimes and, the plots are really bizarre. Yeah. Um, and where, where this was concerned, everything was pretty predictable. I mean, uh, really from, from like 10 minutes in, I could tell where this was going. But the I, I wasn't necessarily in it for that. Although it, you know, I mean, it was still entertaining. It was still fun the way they did it, and and even poignant the way they did it in certain places. But the the main thing was that how it, it was how it affected the characters and how they felt about themselves and how it made them move forward. Because I think on an emotional level, it certainly did move the characters in, into you know, a more forward project, uh, projectory, uh, especially where, where it came to, um, oh, the, uh, the melting girl. What is, I, I'm blanking on her. Elastigirl. 
<clears throat> yeah, she has a... Sorry, uh, Alaska woman. <laughs> okay, Alaska woman. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't... Lana, is that her name? Um, I can't remember. But Rita. She, Rita. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, Rita, yeah, yeah. Okay, Rita. Um, because, I mean, she has been completely stuck in the past. Everything right. about her life has been you know, just, just grieving the person she used to be. And her, her room is just covered with pictures, stills and all she does from is life watch, as a movie watch queen. The movies. All she does is watch her old movies all day. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I mean, like, like that's going to somehow come back, you know, she's just living entirely in the past. In this episode, she realized how destructive that is. And it, it was, it was a really nice touch when at the very end, she sees all this stuff on her walls and she starts taking it down. And you realize that, okay, well, good. Maybe she's actually going to start emotionally maturing and moving forward and, and seeing that there is something else to her life now, um, which was great. And, and the same thing for uh, the other characters who I, I, they, um, with Larry is starting to have more of a, a I don't want to say a relationship, but a rapport rapport with the the creature that's living inside him it's like they're not completely at odds and war with each other now they're actually it actually did something to help this time which is different from its usual modus operandi so i i really appreciated that you know so i i think this was a great episode for having the characters mature and become what they're eventually going to be of course which is you know as kind of superhero team right Ish. All right. Ish. <laughs> All right, let's although, I, although I suspect Brendan Fraser gets paid by the F-bomb. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. So thumbs up, I guess. Yes. Yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about The OA Part 2, which is also the Season 2, which took two and a half years to happen, and it's only eight episodes. Um, I, I'm going to... Go ahead. No, it's just, oh my gosh, it's been that long? Yeah, 2016 was season one. Wow. Um, so, question, Greg, did you watch it? How many? I've only seen, I, I've only seen uh, through episode three. Okay. Uh, Allison, uh, I can't, did, question for you, did you like season one? I did not. Um, I, I mean, part of the problem, I think, is that I saw another production that was done by the same people called The Sound of My Voice. Yeah, I've seen that. And, and it's just, it seems like they just have, you know, this one little bag of tricks that they keep going back to and this one idea. And, and uh, that it just seemed like a recycle um, with slightly different changes of the same thoughts that that went into the, the first I one. So I didn't care for it that much. Also, the, the torture porn aspect torture really porn. started to put me off. Because, well, these, peacher, these people are being held hostage and they're being tortured and killed they're not, and brought well, back. Being, and, to be fair, they're not being tortured. They are being killed. But it happens to be doing it in a very humane way. Thank you very much. Well, not really. I mean, they're being, none, <laughs> of, them, none of them had access. They're being drowned, and they're also not being given any access to proper food, nutrition, any kind of health issues that they have are not being addressed. Their teeth were rotting out of their heads. They they are absolutely being oh, held. I, yes, uh, absolutely. I agree. I, I agree with so, that. But I, and, just, I didn't consider you know, torture porn is a whole different other thing than what we I saw. I thought it qualified for me, and it really it really got on my nerves. Where I, I actually started to watch this 
and thinking, you know, any minute I'm going to bail. And I, I got caught up in the story anyway, because they seem to be actually taking a different approach. Yeah. And yes, the characters are once again trapped with their, their abuser. Um, and I've got to say, as much as I love Jason Isaacs, I hate Hap. I love um, Hap so and- much. <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't stand him, and I want him to die. Um, sorry, Jason, um, but the, the, because he's not, he's not a fun villain. He's just oh, crazy he and horrible. For, for me, I love him, but that's I, okay. Um, <laughs> he's horrible. No, he's he's not. He has a mission. He, he is has not a war. mission. But he's go a ahead. mission what, for a what, psychopath. What, what did you think of this season, especially oh, the new storyline? The whole new I like line. the new story. I like that. That's what actually held me is because it wasn't just all these people trapped and getting tortured endlessly. It was it was much more interesting and much more layered. And I like the new characters who've been brought in, especially the the uh, detective. Yeah, Kareem. Uh, Kareem's great. I, Kareem is terrific. Um, I love that. I, I, you know, I'm really enjoying that aspect that they're they're building the world, right. um, or worlds in this case, of uh, of of this this concept. It's not just stuck in the same place. So I only got two episodes in, but for you know, as as far as I've gotten, I'm I'm enjoying this. Um, not so much Hap. Sorry again, Jason, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, everything else I'm I'm really I'm I'm interested in. Well, Certainly enough to stick with it. Uh Greg, just talk about the first two and I'll just hint at the third one so we don't give Allison spoilers. What do you think about the first two episodes? Oh, man. Um I thought the first episode hit it right out of the park. I mean, if if there was anything that would get you to binge um, and I think you said when you were watching at like 1:30 in the morning, I think Allison was watching at 1:30 in the morning, something like that. Um, it's it's uh, just a single episode. I mean, um, you, you I mean, even though you start out with kind of new characters um, and you really kind of want to find out what happened to the old characters because everything kind of ended uh, shocking yeah. at the end of season one. You know, it's a good enough intriguing story about, you know, uh, kids disappearing and, and video games that might be testing a mind and dreams and and overlapping dreams and recordings and all of that type of stuff. Um, that it still pulls you in, and then you still get, you know, the the, the carryover of the last season, and, and actually what happened to Prairie, um, and that you know the movements actually worked, and that she's in, you know, an, an alternate dimension and another version of herself. And so I just think that the story just taps into so many different uh, human elements where you just kind of, um, I know, especially uh, you know, just for me, at my point, in my point in life, you know, going through midlife crisis. That, you know, you're always thinking about, is there something out there better? Is there a better world? Is there, are there better choices I could have made? made, Are are there other, other things, other more exciting things out there? Um, And, and all of those things. And, and, or maybe there's people trying to tell me, you know, what my directions should be and where I should go. Uh, And, and all of those things are are tapped into with the storyline. And so it's just, it just pulls you in. It's great. I will say uh, this. There's a moment that. There was a serious jump scare, and I think it's in the first episode where he's in the house, and I see this guy behind him, and yes. but it was but it was like barely behind him, and I was like, wait, is that a crewman? Like I seriously thought they forgot to. <laughs> I thought to, the same. They thing. forgot to get a crew guy out of the shot. I was like, oh, that's messy, and then that that you I forget about it. So there's like five minutes later, you know, they're going about their business, doing stuff, blah 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 blah, and then they do this pan 
around the room and they pan past them and there's this dude right there and he jumps him. I screamed and I jumped and I had my remote in my hand and I hit pause like I could stop the action from happening. It was the the biggest like the show is not like a horror show. That's not usually what the show is about. But man, they scared the crap out of me. And I accidentally hit rewind instead of pause. And so then I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to watch that moment again. (laughs) I didn't have the same reaction to him jumping him because I, when I saw him in the background in the first shot, I thought the same thing you did. Oh my God, they actually had a crew man just (laughs) slink in and they didn't edit it out. That's so lazy. And I, I rolled it back to watch it again, thinking, really, is that what I just saw? And and it looked like it the second time. And I thought, wow, that's crappy filmmaking. I mean, really, that's lazy. <laughs> and and I, it just kept bothering me until he finally jumped him. And I went, oh, they meant to do that. Okay, I'm, no, good, I'm no. okay with it. You, that wasn't, oh, that was, a, oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess because I was just, I was so, I was sitting there just being so annoyed with, you know, the idea that they got a crewman in the shot. I almost couldn't think of anything else until he jumped him. So when, (laughs) when that happened, it was like, oh, okay, that was meant to happen. All right. Greg, what was your reaction? I did not have that reaction. Uh, But I did There's only me. I'm such a scaredy cat. Well, Well, no, I did. Yeah. I mean, I saw the guy. I was like, oh. Um, yeah, and I kind of thought the same thing. It's like, oh, uh, that was a mistake. And then, uh, and then they kind of, and then the guy like jumped out, and so I was like, oh, okay, so it wasn't a mistake. And then, but then he, you know, jumps out of the window, and killed himself. But I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't scream or or accidentally uh, let myself. Like I said, <laughs> like I said, I'm a wimp. I can't see horror films. That's why I'm not going to see This Is Us this weekend. This is us, us this weekend. <laughs> Because I, I got scared of the trailer of Us. And I was like, nope, not for me. Um, Some but, people like to sleep, like, at night in their bed. Not exactly. staring awake, looking at the ceiling, <laughs> thinking of Jordan Peele's inner nightmares. <laughs> something, um, something, yes, something, something. But this episode, what yep. I wanted... Oh, oh, great, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, but we're spinning. I mean, just to give a hint, you know, Allison, since you haven't seen episode three, but, you know, we... Um, I mean, we, we kind of find out, you know, how, you know, happen and, uh, and Prairie are kind of dealing in the new universe and everything. Uh, and the, the group that we haven't really seen is the group that's reacting to Prairie dying. And so I, that's where we get into this to yeah, episode. Yeah, the third three. episode was actually, it was they, good. they give a hint of that at the very end right. of the, of episode two. Yeah. So I was, I was hoping that they'd go there because I, I was thinking, well, have we just abandoned that other world, or nope. are we going to go back to it yeah, again? Yeah, we, we so, get to see the group. Yeah. And the only thing I will say about that episode, I really like the beginning of it because seeing all their reactions, because they basically have Prairie's funeral because she dies from the gunshot wound. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have her funeral and how everybody's dealing with her death and their grief. All that's good. Then they have this. Then they have this thing that gets them all together, and I was like, "Oh, that's great." But then, once they're all together, it's, like, really slow for a minute. Well, yeah. I was like, why is this so slow? I don't understand. And then it takes off again at the end. And I was like, okay. And, and I just was like, that weird, there's, like, a weird 10, 15 minutes that's, I, I, I don't understand why we did that at all. Even, I've, I've finished the show, by the way. I've watched all eight episodes. <laughs> okay. Oh, my um, God. And, when did it What'd you say? 
When did it drop? What day? Friday <laughs> at midnight on Thursday. So Thursday at midnight, I watched two episodes, and then Friday I watched the rest. Um, but at least it's only got eight episodes. It doesn't. Ha- it doesn't go on for like sixteen, twenty episodes. No, no, no. no. But, but what I will tell you, the cliffhanger at the end of the season, you're going to be like, oh my god, I need all. The- I need four episodes. Or you're going to be like, okay, I'm done. Those are your two. There's those are your two reactions. You either are going to be super mind blown by the cliffhanger and want the next season immediately, or, or disgusted. Not disgusted. It's going to be like what? And it's either you accept it and you you want more, or you're like, okay, this show has jumped the shark. Those are your two <laughs> possible reactions to the end. Um. Yeah, it gets, it gets it gets really wild. Like by episode five or six, they do something so crazy where I was just like, "What the actual f? Like, what is going on?" Um. So yeah, it, they double down on the craziness. It's not torture porn at all. It's just crazy. Like their ideas just go way out. I I have to say though, uh, and sorry, this might be a spoiler, might not be, but uh, it was good to see uh, Scott Wilson. Um, oh right! Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's. Oh yeah, he's in episode three. Um, yeah, that was that that kind of that distracted me because I don't even know what they said in the scene. I was just looking at Scott Wilson. That's true. Um, but yes, I think overall, I, I think the first two episodes are a really good start. I think it does great, but just be aware it's going to blow your mind more. They're doubling down on the crazy. That's okay. all I'm going to say. All right. That's all we have to talk about for this week. If you have any questions or comments, leave them at tvcampfiregmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can listen to us, listen to us on radio.com. Krypton Radio. We now listen to iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.